Welcome to the High Hopes Philly Minor League Rundown. I'm Jason Springer here with Jeff Cohen, following the journey of the players chasing their dreams in the Phillies farm system. Jeff, this was a big week for the Phillies farm system, a name that you and I are pretty familiar with, making it up to the big stage. Uh, it was a big week for the system, but it was more importantly a big week for Cole Irvin himself, a guy that we watched last year get inter- an International League Pitcher of the Year, uh, started off the year again with two, a 2-0 start and just was dominating again and now he's at the big leagues so for people that have followed our show or people that go to minor league games this is no surprise uh, he's he's not an ace in the major leagues but he's a guy who can get it done and it's always enjoyable to watch them move up the ladder and make it to their dream and he's a pitcher yes he's not he doesn't throw fire he's not going to overpower you he's a student of the game he is and he he got on that mound and he threw his game. And that was exactly what you've seen from him in the minor leagues. Um, tell me, though, is it cool for you as somebody who follows this closely? Uh, you, you take pride in what we do, and we've talked to Cole a few times. Uh, exciting for you to see him out there. I know you wanted to be at the ballpark. I don't think that happened. No, that didn't happen. But uh, watching him pitch, I mean, we made a point of, uh, even though it was Mother's Day, to make sure that we got to some place that we could watch the game and see his first couple innings on the mound. And, and watching his parents and how excited they were and that they got them there that quickly, it, that's part of the cool you know, growth of a baseball player is, is watching as somebody who uh, went through watching their kid play baseball. And he's not doing it anymore, but you watch them go through all this and all the times that you drove to practice with your kid and, and all the sacrifices that were made, you see your kid achieve his dream. And there's only going to be one of these, you know, from now on, now it's work. But this one day, it's something special. And it was perfect for him. It was everything he hoped for. He'll be back on the mound, I believe, Friday night. He'll get his first home start at Citizens Bank Park. I did see him on Twitter uh, yesterday crowdsourcing where he should go to eat for lunch. (laughs) Uh, Now that he's in the city, he was getting plenty of suggestions back from locals telling him that after the way he pitched, he should treat himself anywhere he wants to go. (laughs) So uh, fans are clearly happy about it. And it was great to see. It really was. And the Phillies needed him. Uh, we'll see how long Vince Velasquez is down with the big team. I know you have your opinions on where he should be pitching anyway, but for right now, it looks like Gabe Kapler said he's earned his spot pitching again at the next time. He's certainly earned a second spot. Uh, I mean, a second start. So, I mean, it'll be nice to see him get that, and I think that he can stick there. Uh, now, there's a downside to this. Yeah, tell me the downside. So, the downside is the Iron Pigs are, are down one of their best starters, right? They are. So, But, but that's the point of Mother Minor leagues is yours you're there to feed the major league how it's supposed to work yep so and and we said at the start of the season that they had those arms in the system there and it was a question of who was going to come up in what order to make an impact on the team and and you've seen cole wait his turn and he came up and and it, it worked patiently Absolutely. More than patient. Tell me about what's going on with the Iron Pigs now that Cole is up with the big team. Well, they've gone from first to second place. They're now 19 and 16. Worst of all, they've lost seven in a row. That's tough. Um, And uh, they are now a game and a half behind 
the Syracuse Mets. Uh, there are not many bright spots right now. Their hitting is struggling with a couple other guys coming up and filling utility roles with Kingery Hurt. Um, it, it's, it's been a difficult struggle. And, and Drew Anderson, who everybody thought was going to be the stud coming out of spring training because of how he pitched there, uh, has really struggled. So uh, Ranger has been okay, but not great. De Los Santos has bounced back and forth between the majors and the minors. And Jojo Romero again struggled last night. David Grillon uh, has, has been playing well. Yeah, he, well, he's the diamond in the rough right now. He's got 99 at-bats, 354 average, five home runs, 25 RBIs, and a 965 OPS. The problem with Davey is Davey's catching is average at best. Uh, give me the flip side, the problem with uh, Dylan Cousins, Jeff. <laughs> Where do I start? Uh, he's got a 167 average, the lowest on the team of any player with more than 15 at-bats. Here's the part that, that every year I go through this with Dylan Cousins because he has so much potential and he's so athletic for such a big guy. A 78 at-bats, six home runs, but worst of all, 42 strikeouts. That's a lot. You cannot have a plus 50% strikeout rate. You not just if can't. You're gonna, not if you're especially in, especially in the minors because if you can't cut that down at AAA, it's only going to get worse in the majors. Let's go to Lakewood, uh, who had some news this week because they had uh, Scott Kingery on a rehab assignment there a little bit. Yeah, it'll be nice. I mean, I always look forward to going to those minor league games where somebody's rehabbing. I saw Brett Myers rehab. I saw Ryan Howard rehab. It's always fun to see those guys go back to the ballpark, and it really fills the park. I mean, think about it. You go to If you go to a single-leg game and Ryan Howard shows up batting, it, it's it's not just him playing. It's watching these guys interact with these young guys in, in the dugout and give them kind of tips and leadership roles. So it, it's always interesting to see them back there. Lakewood's been struggling early, though. Ooh, the last place in the Northern Division. 15 and a half games back of Delmarva. And, and, and when I say 15 and a half games back, they've only played 37 games. That's so, But here's the bright spot with the minor leagues. There's a first-half winner and a second-half winner. So it all goes back to 0-0 in the second half of the year. And you never know because you don't know which guys are coming up or going down. So there's still a playoff chance. It's just not going to be as the first half winner. I always enjoy when Mr. Sunshine shows up to do the show with me. <laughs> Tell me about Clearwater because... Well, there's your sunshine. Although they're in third place and three games back, every uh-huh. time I turn around, Alec Bohm is doing something good. It's not just him. It's there. It's not right, a hitting it's league. Not. There, it's Madison Stokes. It's Matt Veerling. It's Nick Maton. It, or is it Maton? Do I always say that wrong? We'll have to ask him. We'll have to ask him yeah. when we talk to him. But it's it's. But a lot of a times lot they of, just nod well, no matter what the pronunciation. There's a lot of bright spots in Clearwater. Well, I was looking at the lineup last night, and the lineup had, of the top five guys in the lineup, one through five, four of them had 300-plus batting averages, and the other one was in the high 280s. So if you look at the guys that there are, you got Alan, Alec Bohm, who he went 0 for 5 yesterday in a morning game. Um, but he's still batting 316, 847 OPS, two home runs, 10 RBIs in only 14 games. Stokes, who we interviewed earlier in the year, is batting 293, leading the team in home runs with five and has 20 RBIs. Veerling is just continuing to hit. He's hitting the cover off the ball. 313, four home runs, and I did not expect that kind of power out of him in 18 RBIs. And Maton's batting 316, three home runs and 21 RBIs, leading the team. That's a good hitting team. So a lot of those guys... 
if we can push some of the Reading guys, if they can do better, they'll get pushed up to AAA, and then these guys will end up at Reading. Spencer Howard on the IL. Shoulder soreness. Uh, um, I, I, uh, I hope it's not an issue going forward. But the bright spot is it gave it, it gave Colton Eastman a chance. Uh, he came up from Lakewood, three games started, 1-1, one, 1.84 one, 1. ERA, and then Damon Jones, who every week we just rave about. Hey, well, yeah, we're going to have to talk to him as the season goes on. Jeff, when we were in Reading recently, you sat down with Derek Hall. Uh, give me a little bit about that interview before we go to it. Derek Hall, last year we talked to him right before, right after he came up from from high A to double A. And it was interesting to talk to him then and then talk to him now. He's much more mature now. He's he's now settled in there. Um, hopefully not settled a, in. slept on a real mattress. Yeah, yes, he sleeps on a real mattress. Um, but <laughs> he, he just still seems to be grounded and understand what his role is. And it was interesting what he talked about, not just with himself, but how Bryce Harper's signing impacted the entire minor league system. Let's go to the interview and then let's talk more about that when we come back. We're here with Derek Hall at America's Classic Ballpark with the Reading Fightins. Derek, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. So last time we talked to you for an extended period of time was the day after you came here last season. What's changed? <laughs> you know, it's that seems like a long time ago, but it really wasn't. You know. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, I, uh, I I definitely think there's a little more energy in the in the park this year. Uh huh. Starting off a new year and with this with this team, we're really excited. Uh, I think the the buzz with the big league teams has definitely came to the ballparks as well. People are really excited about the Phillies, so I think that's one thing that I've noticed that's changed a little bit. But you know, and that's always been there. But I think there's we noticed it in spring training that that field was packed every game. And, you know, just the amount of people that, you know, the, just the excitement we saw has been awesome. So, so people always talk about the buzz at the Major League Park. How does that filter down to the rest of the organization as a prospect? How does that filter down to you, and how does it change anything for you? Well, you know, I, I think that you can just I, – I will say two years, two years ago, people felt the – you know, almost had the feeling of rebuild – um, you know, trust uh, the people or the, you know, believe in the minor leaguers, like, mm-hmm. and you can kind of feel that, but now uh, as an organization, it's almost like even more now we're expected to perform throughout because the big league team's good. Um, there's less guys moving around, so like, you know, the guys in the minor leagues are comfortable, and I, I think that, you know, that the, the Phillies fans want, want to see their organization win all the way throughout, top to bottom. You know, you talk about the buzz in the organization. We got a noon game. It's about a little before a quarter to 11 now, and there is a ton of kids that you can look out there and you see there's whole schools here. What's it like as a ball player to, to see kids taken out of school to come see you play? I think it's awesome. I, I think it's really good for the game mm-hmm. because uh, it exposes um, kids at a young age to what how it's like, you know, what you know what it's like, what, we, what actually happens. You know, maybe they don't have the opportunity to go after school or um, you know on the weekend so I think it's it's good for the game I, I think it's uh, it's definitely good for the community okay what who's it better for P- 
pitchers or batters to have an early game? Early game? You know yeah. what? I think, I think if you're a hitter and you um, are you stay locked in in a day game, I think you're going to get your pitches to hit because it seems like the pitchers get away with more in the day games just because yeah. it's early, you know, and sometimes a few, maybe a few more mistakes aren't as locked on to. And um, I think if you if you if you stay locked in, you definitely get you know your pitches to hit. Well, since the last time we saw you, uh, you had an experience which I think a lot of ball players wish they had, which is playing in the Arizona Fall League, uh, which is close to home for you, right? Oh yeah, three hours. So, so, so what was that experience like, and how, how did you go with it? Well, you know, it was. I thought it was an amazing time. Um, I think it was. It was definitely a humbling experience as far as like as, as a ball player you you know you always kind of think like you know you you can play with with anybody like it doesn't matter who's on the field and i think that was just a good example of like we saw some of the best talent and just to be able to compete and and with that group was awesome you know as uh, and i think every ball player kind of thinks that way it's it's good to feel uh, to be able to have the opportunity to compete against the best and that's that's what the fall league you know really gave us was like that sense of like okay you know we always knew but now we really know that you can compete against whoever's out there it does not matter we've we've seen the top tier you know and not saying just in the fall league that's the top you know it's obviously great talent but like it just gives you that confidence as a player that you know you were given that opportunity they they expect you to you know to uh, perform and to be able to compete against them on it, it definitely gives you more confidence as a player it doesn't is it hard to adjust to it at least at first you're used to playing with a team for a half year or a year getting used to the guys that you're playing the infield with um, all of a sudden you're thrown into a situation playing with guys you never played before is it is it hard to adjust to that um it i <laughs> You know what? I think um, you definitely have some growing pain a little bit, but it mm-hmm. kind of reminds you of, like, travel ball when you're a kid. Because it's like, you know, when you're a kid, you just sometimes you just jump on a different team for a weekend, mm-hmm. and you're just expected to play and, and, and do well, you know? And that's kind of that feel that the Folly gave I'm you. having flashbacks of coaching a travel ball team. Yeah, you just, you know, you, you know how it is. When you pick up a player, <laughs> yep. you know, maybe he's uh-huh. had some success on a, another team, but you uh-huh. have him for the weekend or something, and you just, you know, obviously there's some growing pains that – can't happen. I think it's more so for the catchers because you're facing some live arms that they've never seen before. Mm-hmm. As an infielder, um, obviously you pay attention to whose ball does what. Right. You know, or guys, do they throw it? Does it sink? Does it run? Does it stay up? Um, but I think as a hitter, you know, going, taking a few weeks off, I'd say like almost a month, almost a month off to go and see some of the best arms was definitely like, okay, we got to get it going, you know? Like, because you've taken a month off and you're, you're expected to hit some of the best arms in the in the minor league, so it's like that was that was a little bit of an adjustment, but it was all right. You know, for people who don't watch the game a lot, they always think that the first baseman has it the easiest. And you just said something that, as somebody who coached a, a kid who was a first baseman, first basemen don't have it that easy. You do have to get used to the different st- the arm angles that people throw. Out. How how do you get used to it? Is it just repetition? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely you get to know your infielders, you know. Mm-hmm. So like somebody like maybe Gamboa, like I played with Gamboa since Williamsport, mm-hmm. so I know when he like on different balls what his ball does. So maybe deep in the hole, if it's a if it's a running play.
play, I know that ball is going to sink because he's going to he's going to get rid of it quick. It's going to be below the shoulder, and he's going to be with some velocity. So the ball, you know, obviously if it's down, I'm getting ready for pick. If it stays up, I know it's going to go down. Um, so like, you know, it's a little things like that. And as a first baseman, you're kind of expected to be like the vacuum cleaner in the infield. You got to hold down your position, you know, obviously with the ground balls, but you save your infielder errors. So it's like, obviously you're, you know, you're, you're trying to clean up the, the tough plays, maybe balls in the hole deep down the line, you know, trying to pick up your infielders. And and because uh, it's definitely when, say you have a, a first baseman that isn't the, you know, maybe the best job in the bag. Maybe sometimes you get pulled off the bag when you're not supposed to, or you jump up for a ball and don't come back down the bag. Like the little things like that amplify over time. So it's very important to be, well, um, you know, cognizant of that as that first base. Well, I've I've seen you during practices, and and I don't know if you remember, but at the two 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 showcase, you told my partner Jason to to scoot on over, and <laughs> and thank God you did because I think the next ball went sailing to the left of you. <laughs> would have hit him right in the head if he hadn't oh. moved. So, Jason's sitting in traffic right now, but he thanks you. <laughs> we'll tell him no problem. So, in addition to that, you also had a chance to play in big league spring training. I didn't actually. I, I oh, and I, I got I, obviously I got moved up a couple of times. Right. I finally came. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what was that experience like to, to just be around the major league players? Oh, it was it was so awesome. That's mm. something that you dream about, like when you're obviously when you're a kid and right. especially in the minor leagues too because it's like you know obviously we're around each other all the time and we're, we're getting our routines mm -hmm. so it's really like it's really a great opportunity just a blessing to be able to go up mm -hmm. for a day it's almost like it's kind of like a uh, um I don't know what the right word would be, but like a, not, I'm not going to say a vacation day, but it feels like a, like the best day off because uh -huh. it's like you break that routine from minor league camp, you get to go up, um, you get to hang out with the big leaguers, and sometimes you can get an opportunity to play. So, you know, I, I, I enjoyed every second of it and tried to take the most out of each day that I, I got up Did there. you get to pick anybody's brain? You know, I talked to I talked to Kingery mm -hmm. a little bit. I, I like talking to him because he, you know, kind of the Arizona connection. He he went to U of A, lives in Scottsdale. Like I, I you know, I'm I'm up from Arizona, so it's like I, I got to get I got to know him a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, I picked Reese's brain a little bit when it comes to hitting and approach because he's uh, he's really got that figured out. You mm -hmm. know. And, um, well, you're now following his path. I mean, Reese, Reese was a first baseman. He excelled here, obviously. Uh, you're starting to excel here, and you did last year. So what's it like to be kind of, not in his shadow, but following him through the organization? Well, you know, I, I think that Reese kind of set the standard of almost what it's like to just, you know, what it takes to, to move and mm -hmm. to become a big leaguer. Um, obviously, like, he worked very hard on um, first base and his approach shine because you know it's it's not easy to be a, uh, a power hitter at the high, at the high levels because they pitchers are good pitchers know what they're doing with the ball you know there's uh, obviously when you're a power hitter you know you're you're trying to hit the ball up front so like you, your eye amplifies like whether you have you know you got to swing you got to consistently swing good pitches to be able to drive the ball so I think that um, you know with what he's done it's kind of something like a, almost like a guideline or something to look to to be like okay like this is what it takes and how about analytics i mean have you had a chance to use a lot of the analytics 
Yeah, we're really we're really diving into analytics right now, um, pitching and hitting wise. Uh, and I think it's very helpful because obviously, you know, we always say that analytics have unlocked pitching. Like, because they know the numbers, they know where each pitcher's ball is effective and where it's not, depending on like whether they're sinkers or high span or so obviously knowing that as you know from the pitching standpoint as a hitter you have to know that you got to know where this guy's ball is effective where it's hard to hit you got to know where you hit the ball and what you're good at doing Mm -hmm. so that's kind of how you play the game that's how the best guys in the big leagues are doing it too they they know okay if this guy likes stole the ball high we got to see him down you know if if we continue to swing at the ball up against this guy as a team we're not going to be successful so, okay. well, we're going to be talking to Luke Le- Lefwich in a little bit. Are you glad you don't have to face him? Yeah, he's excelling <laughs> right now, and he's what he's got actually. The analytics has helped him a lot because he's dialed in that uh, that tunnel. What we all talk about, you know, where it looks like the ball, it's the same. It looks like his two pitches are coming out of the same exact spot, and then they one will either go straight or one will go straight down. So it's like it's a big kind of a big guessing game. And with his ride that he has in that fastball, even if you're looking looking for that fastball if he throws it you know a belt high you're not going to get on top of it so what do you do i mean as a hitter if you have a guy who's who's able to throw in that tunnel yeah is it just a lot of looking at at, at or is it guessing you know I, I would i would go as far to say a lot of hitting is is uh, an educated guess right but with with him um i guess it kind of go back to what we talked about earlier where you have to i guess you have to see the ball down uh-huh or maybe as a hitter you have to look for that breaking ball because you're not going to get on top of the fastball very easily you know so maybe maybe you look for off speed and, and try to do something with the breaking ball instead of just the fastball right so um, I think that's kind of how you know as a hitter you can approach him because like I, you know I've, I've got to watch him pitch for for last season the fall league this season and I've just I you know I I haven't seen a hitter get on top of that fastball very very often at all it's been so minute yeah like the times the times that I have seen it it's usually lower in the zone because that's where you know his fastball plays up so mm-hmm. you know when it gets low in the zone that's the only time a hitter has a chance all right well before we let you go back to your hitting um, what do you guys do on those long bus trips you know, we get, we've been crushing some movies lately. Yeah. Um, yeah, we got you know we got some card players playing some cards. And I hear there's a game going through the lo- the locker room and on the bus. Hitman. Is that the name of it? I think Pluck. No, what's Pluck? Pluck's, it's kind of where you have like uh, whoever won, right, the, say the game before, they pick a, uh, a suit, uh-huh. and that's that's Trump, right? Mm-hmm. So say there's a card down that's not of that suit, and you don't have that suit, you can play that card as Trump and, yeah. and win the hand. So basically, and, and then that would be considered a trick. So mm-hmm. basically you would win, but you've earned what you're Trump. So you're trying to win as many hands as possible, and it's strategic. You, you got your partner's got to know what's going on. You got to know what's going on. And a lot of guys play that. So who's the best card player? Believe it or not, Henson, our hitting coach, oh, is really? unreal. Yeah, he really taking advantage of the kids, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all. You know what? We all have a good time. And who's picking the movies? Um, you know, I think it's a little bit of everybody. Yeah. I know Sean. 
Uh, our manager, he picks a lot of the movies. Who's, who's the worst picker? Honestly, they've been pretty good so far. Oh, that's a diplomatic answer. No, I mean, <laughs> to be honest, we haven't... I think one of my favorite movies was... Uh, what was it? We watched it the other day. Oh, Con Air. Okay. I haven't seen that movie in years. That's that was a, a good nice, one. This is a nice throwback. If, if you if you could pick, which movie would you pick? You know, I really love the movie Top Gun. Yeah. That's one of those movies. That or I love James Bond movies. Like, um, I love it from the era, probably from like 96 to 02 mm-hmm. of those James Bond movies. Some of my favorites. So who's your favorite James Bond? Um... What I forget his first name, but Bronson Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. Uh, yeah, okay. he he's my favorite Bond because that's the Bond I grew up with. Uh-huh. I remember playing the video game on the Nintendo, you know. And, <laughs> uh, those are those are some of my favorite James Bonds right there. Golden Eye, The World Is Not Enough. Yep. You know, Tomorrow Never Dies. Good stuff. All right. Well, Derek, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it, and we wish you luck. <laughs> thanks for having me. Jeff, we've got Redding back at it tonight against the Portland Sea Dogs. Tell me what happened this week for the AA Fightings. So, let's see. Um, yesterday they had a, a day game or a morning game. Uh, lost 9-3 to three to the New, New Hampshire Fisher Cats. That makes them 18-16, and 16, three games back of the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, which is the Mets AA affiliate. So, Bailey Falter, who we got to see last week when we were in Reading, he uh, had a less than stellar game this week. 5.1 innings pitched, 8 hits, 5 runs, no walks, 5 Ks. Uh, the bright spot in the game, though, is in case nobody noticed, there's actually a fourth outfielder. So the Redding always talks about Cornelius Randolph, Mickey Moniak, Adam Hazley, because they're all first-round picks. They have another one? They have another one, and he's pretty good, and his name's Josh Steffen, and he hit his first double-A home run uh, yesterday. Um, hopefully, he'll get a little more time in the lineup, and it also gives the other guys a rest, which they sorely need. Last night, it was, it was Adam Hazley who got the rest. Redding's been struggling at the plate. Tell me about what's going on with the bats. Uh, they've gone cold. They have the lowest team batting average in the Eastern League at 204, and they're last in OPS. Uh, yesterday, when I was looking at the lineup in the morning, they had nobody in their lineup with a batting average above 244. That's a tough lineup, but they've been good on the base pass when they get on base. Yeah, I mean, they're they're number three in the league in base running. Uh, I guess the bright spot for hitting is that Cornelius Randolph is starting to grow as a hitter. He's got four home runs, 16 RBIs, and a 754 OPS, but as a team, the strength is clearly pitching. Yeah, tell me about the pitching on this team because going into the season, people thought it would be the arms or that it would be the bats. Yeah, on I this. thought I, I was one of them. They like, thought it would be the arms at AAA, yep. the bats at AA, and then the arms at single A. And yeah. it's, it's kind of reversed a little bit. It's uh, you know, look, they've lost a couple arms to AAA for a good reason, which is promotions. Uh, one of those was Kyle Doey, um, who went to the Iron Pigs, but they have a team ERA at 3.55, which puts them in the upper half of the league. Now, with regard to Doey leaving, then the question is who replaces him? Luckily, the guy that replaced him is Connor Brogdon, who excelled at Clearwater. He pitched in 10 games, 1.80 ERA, 23 strikeouts, and 20 innings pitch. And we actually got to see him last year when he was at Lakewood when they had the dynamic duo of him and Zach Warren, who's the jersey kid. They were very good. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Doey getting his sea legs under himself 
with the iron pigs a little bit. Uh, let's give them a little more time. It's, it's, you know, it's, it is a big adjustment because a lot of the guys that you're facing in AAA are the guys that you have um, that have been in the major leagues, right? So it, it's a little more of adjustment time. So give them time. Mauricio Oliveira on the mound tonight. Any? He's always on the mound when he, we do this show. He is all, always on the mound. Um, the Sea the Dogs are also struggling, though. The Sea Dogs right now are 12 and 22, so hopefully we can take advantage of the uh, Sea Puppies. That's going to be the last word this week. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be your lead-in every Thursday night to the Reading Fight and Fills here on 610 ESPN. So we'll be back. Enjoy us and enjoy the game.